confiscated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north. This is Jim Polson with Safety Wars. Let me repeat that, what we, what we just said on the uh, intro. Right? Everybody is innocent until proven guilty uh, in a court of law. Uh, any OSHA citations, fines, any, anything like that are you know, proposed penalties that get litigated and everything else. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this again because of our topic where we're going to discuss. We might have gotten cut off on one of the streams here. So how's everybody doing out there? got through the week. I was not on yesterday because we were doing a uh, we were doing a uh, what do you call it? Outreach course yesterday. So every four years if you're an outreach instructor, you need to go out and you need to recertify. And what the idea is, is that you get updated on everything. And I think I mentioned this uh, before, was the uh, the maritime industry. It's like they had three refresher classes uh, canceled nationwide. Two or three. I know the one in New Jersey was, and apparently uh, two others. And everybody rushed to uh, the outreach training course in uh, University of California, San Diego campus because it's remote. Now, I wasn't about, I was ready to go out to San Diego. Not a good thing with all that's going on in my life. And we get on the call, and there's only four of us. Four people renewing. It's like almost like a dying business here in the uh, United States. Usually it's only two, three people. I have to have a minimum of three people. But now it was, you know, it's just a hard situation here with the way things are. Uh, we read uh, no, some of the reports with uh, very few ships built. Most of them are being repaired. Uh, ships are being built overseas, except for some military ships. And I tell you what, when those military ships, when the contract goes out, everybody wants to be on them in the industry. So uh, no, a lot of overtime, a lot of stuff going on, very, very skill and intense. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just horrible uh, situation there. Anyway, the... Big story today is on that submarine that uh, that went down. Uh, a lot of people, I'm, everyone's talking about this stuff. Uh, it seems, but the no, you got you got some people out there that are saying, "Well, look, we uh, just wasted a whole bunch of resources that could have gone somewhere else uh, for uh, this sort of thing." Uh, on these folks, it's sort of like the people out mountain climbing or hiking, and then get themselves hurt, killed, lost, and then there's you know there's millions of dollars spent trying to find them, and, and people say, well, the hell with them, you know, the hell with them. 
from this, that, the other, uh, uh, you know, it's a bad situation. They knew what they were getting into and you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Can't be that way. Right. That's blaming the victim. The blaming the victim is really uh, not what we're about here on safety war. Not fighting the war against attitudes, fighting the war against the threats to our safety. And you have to, and what are we here for? We're here to provide backbone, to coach you. Some of the comments that I see back are, I feel like, Jim, you're like the big brother in the safety business that I've never had. And I said, well, you know, that I take that as a big compliment here. Uh, and I appreciate it, compliments like that. Uh, no, you have to have backbone. You have to have integrity. That's lack, lacking a lot. I was just on the phone with a uh, company today, and they're having problems filling roles at their firm because everybody who they hire has no backbone. No, they no, they want to coast here. They want to spend their time on this freaking thing here, right? The uh, uh, smartphone for those people who are listening on Safety FM there. No, they want to listen to that thing. They want to watch that thing. Now, you know, and the level of expertise, how to do an accident investigation, how to uh, get along with just along with people. There's a book out there. I forget the name of the author. Now the no AH rule, and you can figure out what that means. And it's basically, can you get along with someone? That's how you're going to go. We talk about leadership and everything, and we have a leadership program we're going to be rolling out in the next couple of days. Here, uh, once I'm able to copyright it. Uh, we're going to uh, be rolling that out on video uh, uh, for uh, download. Well, not download, for, for viewing. Uh, it's going to be for sale. Uh, we're working on another video today for that. So uh, what, the, what the, uh, for private clients and what have you. And that's what it comes down to. That safety war is about backbone. It's about saying, look, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm uh educated, I'm trained, I'm all of the above. I, I, I deserve this job. I deserve this. It's my job to keep help keep people safe and show leadership. That's what we're about here. That's what's seriously lacking. And no, uh, this is an actual quote from uh, CBS News from a couple of years ago from uh, the CEO of the uh, uh, Titanic expedition firm here. Right. Quote, safety is a waste. And I heard this. I heard this, but this is what he said. He told CBS News, you know, there is a limit. At some point, safety is just pure waste. I mean, if you just want to be safe, don't get out of bed in your car. Don't do anything. At some point, you're going to take some risk. And it was a risk reward question. I think you can do this just safely by breaking the rules. Wow. How many of us have heard that? I was talking to a guy who has worked his way through uh, uh, college uh, as a bar bartender. He came down, he had a, uh, uh, a major injury. And what happened was there were some uh, patrons in the bar that were uh, nurses. They said, I'll just go out to the car. And they, had an, and they were also EMTs and they stitched them up and put them back to work. 
It has a scar to prove it. It's a nasty scar uh, with that. Uh, you know, hey, you know, can't break a couple, you know, you can't make, break, make an omelet without breaking eggs sort of things. So here is from Reuters. Titanic subs destroyed in catastrophic implosion, all five on board dead. A deep-sea submersible carrying five people on a voyage to the century-old wreck of the Titanic was found in pieces from a catastrophic implosion that killed everyone on board, the U.S. Coast Guard said on Thursday, ending a multinational five-day search for the vessel. Well, here's the question here. If it was your relative, someone you loved, would you want them to search for you just let them, uh, uh, let them die? I think that most of us want the people search for want to search for answers and whatever kind of clue there is. And believe me, uh, from uh, a fast death, from a shocking death, there is no closure. You can't get closure from this. You just get coping and you move on. Uh, that's just the way, and you learn to live with it. And things get better and with grief and everything else. Uh, you had a traumatic event. So here, going and doing all the searching and everything, I think it was pretty, uh, according to the Navy, they heard kind of like an implosion on Sunday night. They reported it to the incident commander. The incident commander said, well, we're going to go and uh, continue the search. All right, well, there's some reasons for that. People want answers why this happened, number one. Number two, is there a defect in this where they can prevent another accident like it's happening? Is there a need for better standards, better oversight? Uh, apparently, this was made out of carbon fiber and titanium, according to some of the reports I've read. And that's not really resilient to this sort of thing. Right? Where they, they're usually made of steel, th very thick steel, these sorts of things to stand the pressure of... Uh, pressures of the water down there because someone said it was compared it to an empire state building size, uh, uh, an empire state sized piece of lead weighing down on this uh, uh, submersible. So that's one thing. They want answers why this happened. I, I had very little faith that anybody survived something like this. Uh, from the beginning, but I didn't put that out there. However, what's one of the positive things that might have come out of here is that you had a multinational response here. And I would use this, treat this more as a training type situation. Um, nonetheless, a very dangerous kind of training mission, but and that put other lives in jeopardy. However, and so is a training mission. I think that uh, these folks need practice from all around, from anywhere from the actual search and rescue part of this to the public relations part of this and everything else. It's unfortunate that five people had to die for this. And uh, some of the, uh, right, uh, what are their names here? Even before, this is from the Reuters article, even before the Coast Guard's press conference, Ocean Gate issued a statement saying that there were no survivors among the five men on the Titan 
including the company founder and chief executive order Stockton Rush, was piloting uh, Titan. The four others are British billionaire and explorer Hamish Harding, 58, Pakistani-born businessman Shahzada Dawood, 48, and his 19-year-old son, Suleiman, both British citizens, a French oceanographer, a renowned Titanic expert, Paul Henry Nargiolet, uh, who had visited the wreck dozens of times. The statement went on to say, these men were true explorers who shared a distinct spirit of adventure and a deep passion for exploring and protecting the world's oceans. Our hearts are with these five souls and every member of their families at this time. I'm going to dedicate a moment of silence to these people who lost their lives. And if I could add, uh, amen, and ad astra per aspera, Latin phrase. You can go and look it up yourself on that. So uh, we're going to take a brief uh, commercial break here, and we will continue. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Human error is normal. Human error is normal. And that's some new promos we're going to do here. So what does that Astra Paraspera mean? Uh, is uh, the motto of Kansas, right? Is Latin to the to the stars through difficulties. 
It was uh, John James Ingalls coined the motto in 1861, stating, The aspiration of Kansas to reach the unattainable, the stream is the realization of the impossible. Anyway, uh, so this raises some other questions now that we've uh, had time to reflect and think about this. How has your organization, if this ever happens, something like this, how is it going to react? That's a worthy conversation for your Monday morning meetings. Are we set up for responding to a catastrophic emergency? Do we have an emergency action plan? Uh, the other thing is this. Are, is there, I know, are there statements like this gentleman made? There is a limit. At some point, safety is a pure waste. I mean, if you just want to be safe, don't get out of bed. What is safety? Right? Is safety. Is safety not taking risks? Is safety uh, no zero accidents, zero injuries, zero illnesses? And let's not beat up the guy too much. He does have a point on here, uh, but it depends on how you define safety. Safety is presence of control, capacity, it's guards, uh, things of that nature, and resilience. Did they have that sort of thing in here? That's what my question is with this. And should be your question too. One of many questions for this. Uh, I mean, there were uh, there was a lawsuit several years ago about a whistleblower here settled out of court. This is part of the reason, part of the problems with settling things out of court. Nothing gets litigated. We don't know for sure what happened here. Maybe if they didn't settle out of court, guess what? They would have been. Uh, maybe this might have been uh, uh, corrected, right? Uh, hindsight's 2020 here on that. Uh, James Cameron, uh, Titanic and some director and submersible expert, James Cameron said he predicted Titan's fate days before uh, the debris from the missing submarine was found. Uh, I felt to my bones what happened for the subs electronics to fail and the communication system failed and its tracking response transponder failed simultaneously. The sub is gone. Uh, there were some other folks that uh, had similar things here. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure there'll be a report issued and some safety uh, professional out there in graduate school is going to be able to uh, figure things out and do a case study. Some of the other things in the news, there are a lot of things in the news going on. Uh, let's go on over here. Getting the right screen up here sometimes is a challenge. Okay. Here are some news releases from the, from the Department of Labor. U.S. Department of Labor recovers 142,000 in overtime back wages owed to 65 Oklahoma healthcare workers by California Diagnostics Provider. While dozens of Oklahoma healthcare workers tested scores of people for coronavirus in tents, hotel rooms, and other public places at the pandemic site, their employer misclassified them as independent contractors and denied them overtime wages, benefits, and protections they more than earned. Investigators with uh, U.S. Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division have recovered 
$142,360 in back overtime wages for 65 workers employed by a certain company on an on-site COVID testing provider based in Lake Forest, California. The division determined the employer should have paid the effective employees time and one half the regular rate of pay for hours over 40 in a work week. By failing to do so, they violated overtime protections of the Fair Labor Standards Act. I've seen many companies get into trouble misclassifying workers. Uh, the uh, right. So, uh, be honest with you, I hated. I'm 31 years. I've only been on salary seven years, and I got screwed six out of the seven years being on salary. Well, you're a professional service. Well, then maybe you should treat me like I'm a professional if you're paying me as a professional, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. Yeah, I had that attitude in those days. I don't know. Maybe I should adopt the moniker, the bad boy of safety. Uh, how does that sound? Uh, do can't do that. I'll have I'll get into trouble with my wife there, you know, Uh U.S. Department of Labor, trade groups, unions partnering to protect workers from hazards and trenching excavation. This was a press release from today. Uh, actually, last night, the U.S. DOLs, uh, OSHA, today signed an agreement with an alliance of trade organizations, labor unions, and industry stakeholders to better protect people who do trenching excavation work. To the two-year uh, agreement between OSHA and the Partners for Safe Trenching Excavation Operations Alliance will unite the North American Excavation Association, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, the National Utility Contractors Association, Association, the Associated General Contractors, and the Common Ground Alliance, the International Union of Operating Engineers, and the Labor International Union of North America. Yes, I caught my breath there. To address some of the construction industry's most hazardous work. Sadly, in 2022, we saw a dramatic and disturbing increase in the number of workers who died in trench collapses, said Assistant Secretary of Occupational Safety and Health, Doug Parker. We know that awareness and vigilance saves lives. Joining with the Partners for Safe Trenching and Excavation Operations Alliance is an important collaboration to help ensure that industry employers are taking the precautions required to keep every worker who enters or works near a safe trench safe. Well, this is the problem here with this. Uh, these are all union operators here. That's good. How many non-union companies are involved here? I'm not poo-pooing the partnership here that they have. That's a good thing. But how about the non-union companies out there? How about the small mom-and-pop operators? Anything like that? All right. What about awareness for them? Because that's where we seem to have a lot of these issues and with new employees. There are exceptions, though. I can think of the uh, trench collapse in the uh, JFK airport earlier this year uh, where things like that happen. Uh, but I don't know with that. Uh, uh, very few uh, companies that are non-union are involved in these trade groups. Uh, maybe that needs to change somehow. U.S. Department of Labor invites small business owners, local governments to share input on potential heat standard to protect indoor and outdoor workers. I think we mentioned this before. Uh, this was from, uh, released yesterday. Uh, and real simple, they're looking for input. Uh, in October 2021, 
OSHA published an advance notice of proposed rulemaking for heat injury and illness prevention in outdoor and indoor work settings in the Federal Register. Its publication initiated in the rulemaking for OSHA to consider a heat-specific workplace standard. Also, OSHA has also taken actions apart from the rulemaking to protect workers from the dangers of excess heat in the workplace. These include the following, development of an, of an enforcement initiative on related hazards, launch of a national emphasis program on heat inspections, the creation of National Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health's Heat Injury and Illness Prevention Workgroup to better understand challenges and identify and share best practices to protect workers, and launch of a heat illness prevention program to educate employers and workers on the dangers of working in the heat. I'm going to say this much. If you're uh, taking first aid CPR and it's for the workplace, you have heat stress hazards, probably you should talk to the person providing that training to really put an emphasis on the first aid for that because if you keep up with that, with the uh, workers, making sure they have enough drink, shade, and everything else we discussed on Wednesday uh, night. And now you can check out the program or go to OSHA.gov. They got resources there. Guess what? You're not going to have an OSHA recordable right? with that if you know how to manage that ahead of time. And the employee is not going to get hurt. I tell you what, you want to get along with your employees. You're, you're a safety person and you want to get along with the employees. Make sure they have enough water. Maybe go out. You know, if it doesn't blow the budget, get popsicles for these folks. And they make popsicles with, that are, have sports drink in it. It helps. It helps uh, with that. Uh, with me, I used to ride around the refinery in a 1950s era tricycle. Uh, with a toolbox on there, and I had popsicles on there. I used to hand them out. It creates goodwill. And then COVID came and everything went to Gouverneur. U.S. Department of Labor again cites Dollar Tree and Crater for failing to safeguard Rhode Island workers, this time at a Coventry store. Now, uh, at my class, I brought this up this week. At the refreshing year uh, that I heard from those folks. Uh, so let's get through this. For the third time, the U.S. Uh, Department of Labor's OSHA has cited one of the nation's largest discount retail chains for following for allowing hazardous conditions at one of its Rhode Island stores. This one in Coventry. Uh, this one, inspectors found store employees exposed to slip trip and slips and trip hazards created by haphazardly stop stacked boxes and spilling items on in the shores in the store shopping area and wheeled carts large boxes bins and trash spread throughout the stock room they also discovered boxes of merchandises merchandise stacked unsafely in the stock room exposing employees to collapse and stri uh, struck by hazards here are some of the citations here again remember if it happens at one facility in one location and it happens at another facility in the other location, as long as they have the same EIN number and the same owner, it could be a repeat violation. So this is a uh, type of violation repeat serious uh, was 147,000 and change. All places of employment, passageways, storerooms, service rooms, and walking working services are not kept in a clean, orderly, or sanitary uh, position, uh, uh, condition. 
Uh, item one, citation one to item one B. Storage areas were not kept uh, free from accumulation of materials that constitute the hazards from tripping, fire, explosion, or pest harborage. Uh, that one was zero. That's a repeat violation. Citation one, uh, item two, was uh, material stored in tiers are not stacked, locked, interlocked, or limited in height so that it is stable and secure against sliding and collapse. That one was another 147000 and change for a grand total of $294,668. So one of the guys apparently that I took the class with, very familiar with Dollar Tree, when he says, uh, well, according to him, I have no way of verifying this, a lot of this stuff is uh, anti-theft protection. They have people who run out the back uh, of the stores and things of that nature, so they block things uh, with this. According to him, that's the excuse. And I said, well... There are better ways of doing things, I think. Are there feasible ways? Yeah, there got to be some kind of feasible ways with this. I mean, uh, in New York and some of the other areas where they have all this, these high crimes since uh, uh, since uh, uh, 2021 and even before then, they... Uh, uh, no, they put everything under lock and key. Like I mentioned the other day, a service merchant, sort of a person go out there and give you thing, things. Uh, they've been doing this in a lot of stores all, for a lot of time. It started out, I think, in my area, my neighborhood, Central Jersey, with spray cans for paint, spray paint, uh, because people were taking spray spray cans, uh, spray paint, and that now and then they put those all under lock and key. Uh, the, US, the OSHA announces upcoming fee changes for student course completion cards for the outreach training program. This was the subject in the uh, uh, class this week. Uh, the, uh, the fees for new course completion cards are going from 8 to $10 per card to address significant cost changes associated with producing, distributing the cards. Right? And let's take our uh, second break here. Uh, my voice is starting to go. This happens when you're working with your voice all day. In the professional safety community, communication and planning, are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman, with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself 
with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! So some Supreme Court uh, decisions uh, came down uh, this week. We're going to talk about one. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled eight to one on, that's almost unanimous, everyone, that Texas and Louisiana may not challenge the Biden administration's 21 2021 decision to focus its deportation efforts on individuals deemed to be a threat to public safety. The new complex decision allows the government's selective immigration enforcement policy, which has been blocked by a lower court, to take effect. The case was one in a series fought by Republican-controlled states that have helped to frustrate Biden administration policies to uh, uh, immigration and border security. Hmm. Things ago make you say, hmm. Okay. Here we have a new poll. A majority of Californians are considering moving to another state, according to a recent survey conducted by Strategies 360, a research and communications firm focused on public affairs. Respondents reported dissatisfaction with the high cost of living as a primary factor in their desire to move elsewhere, with 40% saying they are somewhat or very serious about leaving, and another 24% say they are thinking about it but not too seriously. Approximately one-third said they were not leaving at all. I don't know. It's very expensive to live in California, but I'm going to tell you what, it's one of the most beautiful states I've ever uh, been to. And what else do we have here? Mm-hmm. All right. So EPA news. EPA marks National Pollinator Week. By proposing protections for 27 of the most vulnerable endangered species, including some pollinators from pesticides. This week, we just had uh, legislation passed in New York about uh, pesticides. Uh, let me look that up really uh, here. All right. So I think. Uh, Hold on. This. Again, I don't read these stories. Here you go. Uh, this is in uh, California and also New York. Uh, also. Hold on. Uh, bee killing pesticides and common gardening products could face new limits in California. It's now clear that our decades-long love affair with pesticides is contributing to the worldwide collapse of bee colonies with ramifications. Who says the Orange County Register this is? So a law that kicks in on January 1st will prevent California farmers from using a category of pesticides known as neonics, N-E-O-N-I-C-X, neonics, which have been particularly linked to bee harm at times when the insects are most likely to be foraging for food. But while recent, uh, recent research recently leaks 
links neonics both to broader ecosystem problems and to serious health conditions in humans, and the new state regulations focus only on protections for fees. So, uh, so neonics and other pesticides, including some not approved for California, also end up in California soil, waterways, and animals, and people through the use of insecticide-coated seeds. Such seeds are widely used, but currently unregulated in this state. Uh, those seeds were outlawed in New York this week, I believe. Uh, that's assuming that the governor signed that, Governor Hochul. Uh, in New York. Man. So here we go. Uh, this is from... Lancaster Farming, Farming News. The New York lawmakers have approved a bill to ban neonicotinoid right, uh, seed treatments. The plan is designed to protect bees and other pollinators from insecticides, but many farmers oppose the move. The ban would prevent corn, soybean, and wheat seeds from being treated with neonicotinoid uh, chemicals starting in 2027. The bill would not apply to other application methods uh right so uh so on one right they're moving from pesticides being incorporated with the seeds to a spraying application what's worse for the environment i don't know one is a systemic environmental thing one is uh very localized to uh thing to the thing right to the uh bees I don't know. I wish we didn't need any pesticides, but I tell you what's going to happen. Price of food is going to go up. They're going to use this as an excuse for the price of food to go up on this because more manpower needed for this uh, type of way of doing this. Also, uh, uh, crop failures, things of that nature. I don't know. It seems to be a pattern here where two states that are have huge agricultural things. California and New York are uh, now banning this. If you've ever been, no, everyone thinks, well, all this farmland middle of the country when you fly over, that's absolutely true. But you, oh, California, you go up uh, Route Five, it's farm after farm after farm, and you're driving six or seven hours from L.A. to San Francisco. And New York, everyone thinks of New York as New York City. And maybe Long Island, right? But once you start to get up to where I live, Rockland County, and things are changing, Rockland and Orange County with, uh, but, you know, you could, I'm not, that's an area I'm not, I'm not even going to go discuss. Forget about it. That's like suicide to discuss. And I, I'm not saying that jokingly or as hyperbole here. That's truth here. I mean, you don't discuss the development around here without consequences. Uh, here, uh, you know, over here it's getting developed, right? Uh, but you go up way up north, there ain't nothing. As my uncle Ernie says, upstate New York is beautiful, all the farms and everything, wine country of New York. However, if you you if you like to starve, because there's really nothing to do up there with that, and everyone who works up there who doesn't work uh, really locally uh, with farms and things of that nature, some light industry, everyone else moves down here to, uh, no, has commutes down here. Uh, 
doing things. So I don't know. It's one of those things here. But EPA, is it an issue? Yeah, the first time I heard this issue, it was April 6, 2007, I believe, on one of my favorite radio shows, Coast to Coast AM, which I have been deemed a regular on. Now, I've been identified as a regular. So I don't know. Uh, there, uh, where it was colony collapse disorder was discussed. Uh, there. And uh, the reason why I know I was dry, I listened to the program on the way out to Ohio. And that was the day that I left for Ohio. This initiative is part of EPA's work to meet obligations under the Endangered Species Act. Furthers the goals outlined in the EPA's uh, Endangered Species Act work, uh, work plan to provide practical protections for listed species from pesticides. The draft white paper includes how EPA selected the 27 things. So they issued a white paper here. Probably worth uh, looking uh, looking up and reading it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, oh, need the bees. So last weekend, we have honeybees in our gardens. So if you ever saw my garden, it's completely fenced in with uh, chicken wire and everything else to keep the animals out. And it's in, on the sides, on the roof, and everything else. And animals still somehow get in there. Chipmunks. I can't get rid of them. Anyway, long story short, she got stung three times by bees, honeybees. She was yelling and she was not very happy with me. I said, I'm not killing them. I'm going to go and get a beekeeper and get rid of them. Uh, let the beekeeper have them. EPA invites you to serve on agency's first ever National Environmental Youth Advisory Council. Uh, this is going on uh, where, uh, 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 where uh, you could, if you are a, a between the ages of 16 and 29, you can be a member of this committee here. Uh, uh, the this committee, right? Uh, National Environmental Youth Advisory Council will provide independent advice and recommendation to the EPA on how to increase EPA's efforts to address a range of environmental issues as they relate to youth communities. Okay, Casey Performance Deal. Ah, I can't say the name. Kansas City. Okay. Kansas City Diesel, and there is a diesel service, an auto repair shop, uh, agreed to settle with the EPA. This is from the 22nd uh, yesterday for allegedly tampering with car engines to render emissions controls inoperative for failing for, to permit EPA access to inspect and copy records. These actions were violations of the Federal Clean Air Act, according to the EPA. The installation of defeat devices or any illegal tampering of auto emissions controls is both a violation of federal law and a significant contributor to air pollution, said David Kozad, director of EPA Region 7's Enforcement and Compliance Assurance Division. The federal government is serious about holding accountable individuals and companies who profit from the, these unlawful actions of protecting communities, particularly those who uh, are already overburdened by pollution from harmful emissions. EVA continues to oversee the groundwater investigation at the Industrial Excess Landfill Superfund site in Uniontown, Ohio. This is from the 22nd, uh, 
Yesterday, the, this week, U.S. EPA began oversight of the potentially responsible parties' additional, that's PRP, right, additional groundwater investigations in Uniontown and Green, Ohio, west of the Industrial Excess Landfill Superfund site. Imagine having a name like that. We're in the Excess Landfill, right, site in Uniontown. Previous sampling around the site found dioxane in private residential uh, wells, which led EPA to connect several residents to municipal water. The continued groundwater investigation will help determine the size of the dioxin plume and if additional municipal water hookups will be necessary. So a little bit of background here in hydrogeology. So you have a source of pollution, and what happens is groundwater does not stay in one place. And it has a tendency to move. And as we mentioned, uh, what well, wasn't here, I mentioned it during my video that I was giving a voiceover for today, that water is a mobilizer of contaminants. So what happens is as the groundwater is moving laterally, meaning horizontally, it's carrying along this dia uh, the plume and the contaminants along with it. Now, uh, I'm not familiar with dioxin, dioxane. Let's look that up. So I'm going to go over here to dioxane, copy, and we're going to put in dioxane safety data sheet. I always do this here uh, with this. Uh, do, here we have one from Rochester Institute of Technology and SDS. Here, hold on. Oh, I know this is, uh, I'm you're watching me surf the internet here. Uh, why is this not SDS safety dioxin? Okay. So, I suspect this is one for dioxane. Comma four dioxane. You can bear with me here. And you know what? I'm not in Google. That's what the issue is. You know what? This is in shampoo, laundry, health effect. Whoa, 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 what is this? So here we have a uh, SDS here. I'm not going to mention. It's from a couple years ago. It is uh, 1,4-dioxane, all a.k.a. dioxane, diethylene dioxide, diethylether, as I said it, right? Uh, what is it? Irritant can cause dermatitis through defattening of the skin, can cause irritation. Uh, I guess this is, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, uh, why it's in soap, right? It's a defatting agent. Ingredients found on one of the OSHA designated carcinogen lists are listed below 1,4 dioxin. So it's this uh, suspected carcinogen, meaning ca cancer causer. And I'm looking here under the uh, 
under the uh, uh, chemical properties, right here, molecular rate 88.1, all right, 88.1. Here, chemical formula, blah, 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 solubility in water, 100%. Specific gravity, 1.034, meaning it's going to sink, basically, slowly, but it'll be sink. So it's 100% soluble in water. And it also has a, a specific gravity of one, meaning it's going to be mixed in all together with this. And guess what? Uh, I can see where this could have me very mobile in the environment, uh, similar to other things like ammonium perchlorate, with, which is also 100% soluble. So uh, there's a problem there at this site. It's not surprising that uh, they had to go and uh, 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 no, that, that they had to re replace water supplies here for people on city water uh, from the private well. I tell you what, this this brings up another subject here. With if you have a private well, what are you going to do as far as sampling concerned? We went through this a couple years ago on a family property uh, of the extended family. Uh, and they were like, well, do we do, uh, uh, no, they, do we do water sampling? And the answer is, yeah, periodic water sampling. Yeah, but we, we have good spring waters from the ground. No chemicals in it. I said, no chemicals like what, chlorine? Well, chlorine is bad, chlorinated water. I'm like, dude, chlorinated water is like the, uh, like the discovery of fire in, the, in human history. But I, you know, he, and he ended up going and having it sampled. And guess what happened? Oh, they found all different kinds of contamination. And there he ended up getting city water uh, over the whole thing. Either that or get a whole uh, a water treatment system for the house. They chose to get city water. They have no idea where the contamination came from. They think it was from uh, uh, dumped stuff from years and years ago. They lived in a rural area. Anyway, uh, here's something from the NTSB. NTSB issues final report on CTA employee fatality. This is from Kala, uh, Chicago Transit Authority. Uh, uh, thing. I remember this accident. Uh the accident happened in uh, July 16th, 2022. This is actual fat uh, thing, I'm re uh, actual fast thing, right? And this is the report as issued by the government. All right, for this from NTSB. On July 16th, 2022, uh, a train struck a CTA customer service assistant at, a, at the Van Buren station in Chicago. A uh, review of platform surveillance video data by NTSV showed that the uh, uh, customer service assistant descended the stairs from the west end of the inner loop platform through access to tracks and fell onto the outer loop high voltage rail. The CSA laid, uh, laid motionless on the track for three minutes, whereupon he was struck by train 3285, uh, blah, blah, blah. And what, what's the uh, thing here? So apparently he, there was a, uh, uh, there was a, uh, uh, what do you call it? You could cross the tracks on foot here. 
Right? Apparently, this was the appropriate thing to do. At least for him, it was the appropriate thing to do. And ended up, uh, the guy fell and laid there. And uh, that's what happened. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, this is right. The accident occurred. The result... Uh, as a result of the accident, the CTA now requires its customer service assistance to take uh, rail safety refresher courses every two years to maintain their job uh, uh, classification. The reason the CTA employee was attempting to cross the track remains unknown. He did not contact the rail controller for permission to enter the right of way as is required. Okay, so he wasn't supposed to be here apparently, but. How much you want to make a bet that this was a normal kind of thing if they went back and they reviewed all the uh, safety footage? It doesn't say here how often this happens in this article uh, from the NTSB. I don't know. Horrible, horrible situation. Not the way I want to go. Teenage worker. This is from uh, Australia uh, from earlier this week. Uh, teenage worker killed in a Western Australian sandblasting plant. Uh, the teenager was crushed while preparing a steel beam for painting at the uh, TLC service treatment factory in Welsh Pool early Thursday morning. The business specializes in industrial sandblasting and painting. I've worked a lot around this here. Uh, there's a huge investigation here. So what exactly happened? Uh, one, he was a new employee. Okay. Uh, uh, 16 years old. Uh, da, 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 da. so uh, Charlotte was the fourth person to die in a workplace accident in that area or offshore in just two weeks, and and uh, mentioned that good article here from wsws.org, which is Wood World Socialist website. All right. I don't think there's any bias in here. I think, you know, the facts are the facts here. Uh, it's a horrible situation. And there, you know, the, of course, you know, the industrial carnage can only be stopped through independent action of workers themselves. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like they're fighting a war out there uh, with this. Uh with this, and you know, they have a, 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 a bent on, and I'm sure management has so totally the opposite, and they're blaming the employee. Maybe there needs to be some kind of a balance here. A new uh, report from Tennessee Occupational Safety and Health Administration, TOSHA, has been released giving new details on a FedEx employee's death. We had mentioned this earlier uh, in the program, like last year, when a FedEx employee was driving and uh, a West and a Cushman Hauler 1200 golf uh, cart. It was a tug operator, I guess, uh, what they call it, pulling two cans and traveling towards, uh, traveling towards about to make a left turn and enter another location. Uh, the co-worker swung left into the oncoming lane, then swung right back into his traffic lane in order to make a wide uh, left U-turn to line up with the entrance to the scale. Uh while swinging back into his traffic lane, the co-worker collided with the golf cart being driven by the employee. The right side of the tug collided with the left side of the cart, causing the cart to bounce off the tug and hit a jersey barrier with its right side. 
Uh, the employee suffered multiple blunt force injuries to the torso and died. I know one thing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not familiar with this accident, but I will say this much: most people who drive around golf carts on projects do not use seatbelts, right? Even with forklifts, big thing. They don't use seatbelts. I don't know. It's uh, a risky thing out there. So we're going to call it a week. It might be on tomorrow. I might not. I have to see how I feel. I always say that. It's an ongoing joke here. So for Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. I'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thank you.